Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. This is Pat Solver with the American Journal of Managed Care for our monthly podcast. And today we have uh, Michael Griffin with us. Uh, Michael is the president and CEO of Daughters of Charity Services in New Orleans. We are very serious about our intention and intent to uh, take care of um, all of our community. And um, we have been doing that for um, in some form or fashion for 180 years in, in the New Orleans region. So we are very blessed and, and I'm very excited that you have me here today. Well, we're really glad that you could join. Uh, so what we want to talk about today is uh, Michael's experience as a firsthand observer of New Orleans recovery from Hurricane Katrina. And of course, that's very timely since we're now in the midst of recovering from um, Harvey and Irma and Maria, and in particular, uh, in the news lately, has been a lot of issues around the slowness of the response to Puerto Rico. So we want to touch on that as well. So, so Michael, I thought we'd start out by um, uh, having you talk about something that I've um, seen you say, which is that even 12 years later, New Orleans has not completely recovered from Katrina. Can you give us an overview of what has and what has not fully recovered and what you think um, still remains to be done? Yes. So in New Orleans, and, and everyone remembers the the um, uh, Katrina response and the efforts to uh, rebuild it, 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 I guess, real time on TV, seeing the reports and uh, activities that, that happened. Uh, from the flooding of the uh, after the storm and the levees flooding of the city, some of the major issues that um, I think uh, were exacerbated from uh, the storm, of course, were the were the issues of poverty uh, that we have in in this community. Uh, New Orleans is mainly uh, much like uh, Puerto Rico is a um, is a tourism economy. Uh, and that doesn't come with high-paying jobs. And so a lot of people were not able to get out of harm's way uh, from the storm, and they um, sought shelter uh, in the Superdome and other places. Uh, also, um, that poverty has been uh, long-term, generational. And so what you also found were some issues with uh, housing that had been passed down from year to year and other um, uh, uh, just social norms that uh, were here in New Orleans, uh, again, uh, were exacerbated and highlighted as problems as we um, we sought to recover uh, and address the issues that were current at that time with the storm. I will say some of the, the uh, what I call quality of life areas that have done very well in recovering uh, is my own industry, one of them being healthcare, uh, and certain locations within the city have received more attention than others, but clearly the healthcare infrastructure we have, several new hospitals, uh, the VA and um, the University Medical Center that are brand new facilities, over a billion dollars, but also the primary care infrastructure and community health, patient-centered medical home 
development that has come out of the storm uh, and redeveloped has been very positive. Another area has been the education system. The public education system was failing before the storm. Actually, the state had come in and taken over the um, schools, uh, and, and it was under the form of what they call the recovery school district. And since then, uh, New Orleans has become the largest charter school system uh, in the country. Uh, most of the schools that came back in neighborhoods, they came back as charter schools, having community engagement and involvement. And so what you're finding now is more uh, grassroots efforts, both education, health care, and in some other, um, uh, other uh, industries, uh, really to redevelop neighborhoods. Now, what has not actually um, come back and, and recovered as well is just overall um, jobs for this city. There are whole areas of the city, uh, New Orleans East being one of them, um, where they had a mall out in that area. It's one of the largest land masses of the city, but um, that mall has not recovered. There are shopping centers and others. There's, there's food deserts out there uh, that have not come back. Uh, the original hospital that was there, uh, it took about 10 years to reopen uh, the hospital out in that area. And then we actually opened up, Daughters of Charity opened a primary care uh, health center in conjunction with the hospital campus to reestablish and redevelop the health care uh, infrastructure for that community. About 88,000 people live on in New Orleans East, and it's really an island because you have to cross the bridge in every direction. So some areas have done very well in recovering, uh, and then some areas have uh, been very slow to return, to recover, to come back. And a lot of that has been uh, the economic drivers. Uh, what areas are have more low income, um, may not have as many um, people with the insurance that was there or gotten the FEMA assistance that was needed to, to fully recover, that has hindered some. But I will say healthcare has done um, a tremendous job of recovering and redesigned the system to really focus on primary care prevention and keeping patients healthier. Uh, we rebuilt that system in that direction. Raised some really interesting questions with this um, uh, description of the recovery, and uh, one of them that comes to mind is: so you had a remarkable, although slow. I mean, ten years is a long time, right? For uh, for the recovery to take place, but you've had a remarkable recovery of both education and uh, healthcare. How was that funded? Was that? Um, I know that a lot of people got short term. FEMA money uh, right after the hurricane, but how? Who who paid to bring healthcare back, and who paid to bring education back? Was this tax based, private money? Um, how did it, how, how how did the money flow? Those are great questions because yes, I'm, I'm rambling on about what has happened, but how did it happen? You're correct. Um, the and the recovery was slow. Let me say that, but it it, it still was. It has been a recovery. Uh, the infrastructure for health care, and I would say even the schools, most of that infrastructure has come through the alignment of local, state, and federal government resources to assist in rebuilding uh, the community. And so uh, in, in, in 2000, um, it, it didn't happen until 2007, it got funded, but in 2006, um, there was a push 
from the local government. There was a, a, a constituency group that went to Congress for hearings, and there was a $100 million funding primary care access stabilization grant that was given um, from the federal government to the state and then to New Orleans to help primary care recover in the city. That also, there was also alignment with incentives like the National Health Service Corps and um, development of a state health service corps and local health service corps all came from different funds, level of funds from the federal government to help providers come back to the community in, a, in, a, in the form of um, loan repayments for educational loans and others. So a lot of the alignment had came, uh, came from um, actual um, different levels and layers of government working together in conjunction to really um, uh, develop a plan and implement that and fund um, these recovery efforts. Healthcare was one of those that was we knew would be needed. Education is still one of those we knew would be needed. And there's still schools that are being rebuilt and also um, they've built new schools, but they also have renovated some of the older historic buildings. Uh, those things are still happening to this day. Well, you know, so that's interesting because I want to kind of fast forward to today and what's going on in Puerto Rico and have some context. Um, when Katrina happened, I realized that uh, shortly after Katrina, there was another major disaster, but it was in another country. So it didn't really require our resources in the same way as rebuilding Katrina. Um, what's happening with Puerto Rico is that we also have, you know, what happened in Florida and what happened in Houston and on a backdrop of a big push now, um, uh, and I think it's what's going to make the news a lot over the next few months, is a, a big push to have tax reform. And, and some of that tax reform are going to be tax cuts, which means it will erode the amount of money that would be available for the kinds of recovery efforts that you guys were able to tap into. Um, any, any thoughts about how we should perhaps be rethinking or reframing what we're doing with federal government resources, uh, given that there's going to be, I mean, the island of Puerto Rico, as far as we can tell from the reports that have come out so far, is almost a total disaster. So it's going to be like rebuilding a country. Um, how are we going to Correct. do this? Yeah, and I think um, there has to be, even we, we had FEMA that was there, and I do believe there was a tax cut that happened um, uh, in the Bush administration before uh, Katrina happened also. But let me, let me say, most of the work that was done um, with the efforts with the federal government, state and local government, uh, were really addressing the specific needs of, uh, of New Orleans and this Gulf Coast region that was hit. And it wasn't just New Orleans, of course, it was uh, Waveland, Mississippi. It was um, uh, Gulfport uh, Golf and, and Biloxi and other areas that were hit fairly hard and actually benefited from some of these recovery dollars. So I think if, um, not being too political, but, but if there is efforts to really address each one of these issues case by case, because what I hear being discussed today or tax cuts in usual operating budgets that happen with uh, entities like FEMA and Homeland Security. Uh, but from a case-by-case -case basis, 
we address these issues of need for our uh, communities across the countries, um, then I think um, those those uh, challenges can be met. Um, yes, I think Puerto Rico is in a situation um, much like New Orleans and may even be worse um, because it is an island and we can't just get on a, a, in a, in a truck and drive down and uh, drop off supplies. So right, we need airplanes a, and ships. <laughs> yes, there's an exacerbated uh, issue there and need. But I would say, much like New Orleans, the, the economy is, is tourism. Uh, so a lot of things have to get rebuilt before you can, in hotels and other, uh, before you can actually have the tourists come back. There's a lot of steps to this that are going to be needed. But first, I will say, since, again, this is happening real time today as we speak, we need to really focus on the basics for that community. Water. Uh, I've heard fuel as a major issue. They're going to need a lot of volunteers to help uh, and go down and actually help that community rebuild. Uh, food as another uh, area of, of need. And again, the challenge is uh, transportation and how you get there. It's going to make it that much harder. Uh, but I think um, this country has faced a lot of these challenges in the past. We should be able to um, uh, assess that situation and tactically address and assist the uh, people of Puerto Rico, Houston, and the Florida areas as, as uh, needed and necessary. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're uh, optimistic about us being able to step up to this because this is, uh, you know, a huge challenge to have three major hurricanes and and so much devastation in such a short period of time. But I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about um, the aftermath that we haven't covered yet, and that is that the hurricane in um, New Orleans spurred a huge diaspora. People left um, because they had to leave. They didn't have any place to stay. And some came back and some didn't. And uh, from what I've read, and you can tell me if this is true or not, the fact that some um, lower-income uh, people and communities were not restored has really changed, in a way, the total makeup of New Orleans. And um, and also we know that this displacement um, can uh, have a, a you know long-term mental health effects and and effects on positive and negative on income. Tell us about what you know about the diaspora and and where you're at where you're at now. How many people came back? How many people stayed forever? How are they doing? Yeah, we had about four hundred and fifty thousand in the city of New Orleans before um, Katrina, and now we uh, the estimates are about three hundred and seventy-five. Uh, thousand, uh, and so yes, we we have uh, recovered some because it has been much lower than that. Uh, we we uh, have about a seventy five thousand uh, individual uh, or family decrease, um, which has affected the the uh, economy. Uh, it has affected the workforce. Uh, there are a lot of families that some who came back and some who stayed in Atlanta and in Birmingham and in Houston uh, areas. So um, we have seen uh, that separation that has happened. I will say the mental strain of first going through 
the Katrina experience in the storm itself. Some people were had evacuated. A lot of people had evacuated, and they saw the, the city flooding on TV. Um, and um, uh, that anguish and, and, and issue uh, mentally that happened from that um, uh, has been has been major for those individuals and a major health and mental health uh, issue. I will say every year we get to the anniversary of Katrina and the heightened time of the hurricane season, um, I see increased anxiety from staff that I work with, from family members, from others. Uh, and so uh, there, is a, there, there is this uh, mental stress that comes. We've had uh, a lot of um, depression that has happened uh, from the um, uh, hurricane experience that we've had, along with other experiences that we've had at disasters. Because as you remember, two years after the hurricane experience, two to three years, we had the BP oil spill that actually um, yeah, that's right. depressed the economy even more. And so all of those have been barriers to people uh, returning. Some people don't want to come back to this environment because they uh, don't want to, they, a lot of their memories were destroyed and uh, mentally don't feel up to uh, reliving. Uh, and some people just cannot afford, as you mentioned, to come back. But I actually know some individuals who um, came back, helped uh, uh, to recover some, and then actually chose uh, to go back to cities that they evacuated to or lived for a short period of time. And so uh, you, you have every type of situation and scenario that you can have that actually happened with these families. I would say, um, but uh, mental health has been a big uh, area of growth in our community health delivery system, monitoring of depression. We screen all of our patients. All of that has, again, strengthened uh, the care delivery and what's important for our patient population. Uh, but I will tell you, uh, annually, there are major concerns, and that stress level uh, and uh, depression goes up uh, during the uh, the hurricane season. I would say with the three storms that we had, major storms we had this year, uh, Harvey, Irma, and, and Maria, uh, yes, the folk of New Orleans were glued to the TV, watching to see if storms came into the Gulf, would head the way of New Orleans, and thinking through what to do. I will also say, though, that this city from an emergency preparedness standpoint, that we have something to give in uh, preparation because we have uh, practiced and we've uh, looked at and studied and developed plans. My own organization works with the city as well as every other healthcare organization, uh, public entity, schools, what have you. Uh, we work together uh, annually to revise and look at uh, disaster preparedness and how we can uh, actually get people out of harm's way and then come back and, and recover. So, Michael, what are some of the key learnings that you've had in, in um, this disaster preparedness and, and messages uh, that, could, um, that could be shared with uh, Texas and Florida and uh, Puerto Rico? The preparedness aspect, um, we've developed uh, in, an enormous amount of plans in getting people 
out of the city, especially those who do not have um, uh, a way of transportation or maybe in uh, nursing homes, as we see some of the situation that was after the fact that happened in Florida, or um, uh, having... We proactively evacuate some of the nursing homes we that were high risk. We uh, uh, to evacuate. We have a number uh, that these individuals call. We have a list that is developed beforehand that the city keeps on record of people who are uh, bedridden or on oxygen tanks or have certain health care needs that they need assistance with. That is kept on an ongoing basis. Uh, and then we have ways uh, to train the buses, uh, 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 locations for folks to report, to get those individuals out of the city. So it is no longer go to the Superdome or the convention center. It is we are getting everyone out of the city. Here's where you go, you report, and, and that plan is developed or revisited every year before the storm happens, and those lists are updated as well. So that we know who we need to get in touch with, get them out of the city, get them evacuated. Those are some things that are the key, uh, as I would assume storms continue to raise and, and, and continue to come to these uh, Gulf Coast um, um, of the region and, and, and cities and, and states. Um, so being prepared uh, with those issues and areas and how to get people move, uh, whole populations of people, uh, out of the harm's way is critical. It was a little harder, I think. Um, it was a little harder, I think, with uh, with Irma. Though Irma just didn't tell you where where she was going. Uh, she was going to uh, you know Miami for a while, and then went to the other side of Tampa. So that that one made it very hard. Yeah, you didn't know where to go. People to... evacuated from the west and ended up in the right. east, and then they got hit there. Uh, right. Yeah, so that is it is unpredictable. I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, physical health. So I remember in Katrina that there were a lot of people who um, had, of course, half of us have chronic conditions. So a lot of people had chronic conditions, and they um, got separated from their medications and in many cases didn't really know what their medications are. What kinds of plans are you making around uh, care of the chronically ill if, if they have to be evacuated from their homes suddenly or, or they stayed in their home and, and, and every, all their medicines got destroyed. What kind of plans do you have for helping them to deal with their chronic conditions, both in the short and in the longer term? And, and also talk a little bit about how much of a role having health insurance made a difference between having a good outcome and not having a good outcome. Those are good questions. Um, one of the things that we did when we rebuilt the system here in New Orleans is everything is, um, electronic and, and cloud-based for the most part, most of our systems. So um, from the community health center standpoint, every health center has an electronic medical record uh, that we can pull up from home, pull up from anywhere uh, with our login uh, that we may have access to the Internet. So if I evacuate to Birmingham, I still can get to uh, medical records of uh, my patients uh, the same thing with our pharmacies and our uh, dental records that we have. We also um, installed, and a lot of the reconstruction here, uh, uh, um, we installed generators to, to uh, and that wasn't the case before. Mainly the hospitals uh, may have had generators, but in, 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 um, on the primary care side and 
some of the infrastructure and even homes now, a lot of the homes are being rebuilt with generators to at least have some power for uh, a period of time. And so uh, from a record standpoint, from a prescription and refill standpoint, um, we have our uh, database and data repository that uh, someone can call us at any time. We actually put out the actual number for our, our patients to get in touch with us to call us. We have our e-portals that they can email us uh, and get to their information. Actually, you can go on the e-portal with our EMRs and get your own health history information and prescriptions and get that information to, say, the um, the convenience store or the uh, drugstore, wherever you relocate. So uh, those options are available and in effect now uh, and a lot of that came, again, we had paper records before Katrina. We were transitioning to electronic medical records, but everything came back as uh, uh, digitized and has um, uh, access points from anywhere. We can pull up information on our cell phone if we need to on our patients. So I think that is um, uh, reassuring and encouraging, especially for our patients who have chronic conditions that may need um, a refill of insulin or other uh, um, uh, chronic conditions that need their medications, we're able to get that information to them from anywhere as long as they have, uh, they, they can get access to a communication uh, source. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the insulin issue because um, I was listening, you know, I've listened to these stories about Puerto Rico and, and, and again, I, I realized they're kind of a special case because they're an island and because they're existing electricity grid was evidently not in good shape before the hurricane and now they're completely without electricity. So we're hearing stories on television about people who can't keep their insulin cool. Um, if you got to have input into the rebuilding of Puerto Rico, besides being sure that everybody has a generator um, and all the hospitals have electronic health records, what other kinds of things do you think are critically important so that the after, aftermath is not as devastating as what it sounds like it is in, in Puerto Rico? Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be heightened standards of um, construction that are going to be developed, much like happened here in New Orleans, where you have uh, a lot of things such as windows and shingles and other things that go into home rebuilds and then the commercial construction meeting 150 mile per hour uh, wind um, and rain damage. Uh, so uh, that'll all be, uh, I'm sure, taken into consideration as they rebuild the facilities there. And then those other things that's uh, back up to the uh, infrastructure for power. So, yeah, more generators will probably be needed. The elevation that, because there's, there appears to be after storm flooding, much like you had here in New Orleans, um, that's happening in Puerto Rico. So uh, a lot of times and what happened in New Orleans, the facilities did not get uh, destroyed from the storm itself. I think it was a Category 3 when it came ashore, Katrina came ashore here in New Orleans. Uh, it was the levees that broke and flooded the campus. And so we have renewed flood elevation. So we build up uh, all of our facilities, houses, commercial, whatever. Um, everything is built at a higher elevation to the 100-year floodplain. And so I think some of those things will have to be considered and have to go into um, 
the redesign, rebuild of um, the, the Puerto Rico communities and island country. And uh, I remember after Katrina, there were some people who said, geez, maybe <laughs> maybe we shouldn't rebuild New Orleans. Maybe it's just in a too risky of a place and it's, you know, too low and right there by the, right by the ocean. Um, do, do you think... Or did it happen in the New Orleans area that there were some areas that were declared just plain too risky to rebuild on? Or do you think with new building codes and elevation and all the things that you, that you talked about that you, that you can actually rebuild anywhere? I think you rebuild anywhere. I do think there are some places that are redeveloping. Again, um, there's slower redevelopment in those locations. And that's more from a um, socioeconomic situation of those areas. Uh, and so there's some work that we are uh, focused on and uh, working towards to get uh, certain areas that, that and things that we had before Katrina um, uh, developed. I'll give you a good example. There was an entire theme park, a Six Flags theme park that was uh, open in uh, New Orleans East, and it was an economic engine for that community, and it was great hope. It wasn't very old, so it was great hope for it to continue to grow and flourish, and it's been shuttered ever since. Now, there's been, uh, since Katrina, there's been numerous plans that have been talked about, but the the right uh, alignment of incentives hadn't quite gotten there yet to go back out and open that location, and it is not in a wealthy uh uh, part of the city. And so, again, that's one example of something that could actually help and benefit that was here before Katrina that has not come back. And like I said, jobs are a major port, uh, piece of the redevelopment uh, of a city. And I would say also, one of the things I witnessed, because I was on the board of a university, Dillard uh, uh, University, when I was um, uh, when Katrina hit, and uh, we, I remember us having a board meeting. They were talking about there was a, some discussion at some point about possibly even having the school relocate to another city and not come back to New Orleans at least while the rebuilding was out. And the vote was uh, happened to make sure we come back to the city because the students, the faculty, the the uh, all of the individuals that were associated with this university were needed to help rebuild this city. Uh, and so everyone needs to understand that these Houston, Florida, all of the places that are Puerto Rico, especially, that have been damaged by these storms, uh, their culture, heritage, history, what they contribute to society uh, are all very important uh, to our uh, our country, especially. And so uh, having those entities rebuild, redevelop, and uh, build them bigger, better, stronger uh, is vital uh, because I think it all contributes to um, uh, to America and the greatness of the country. Well, that's fantastic, and I absolutely agree with you. Um, and it leads me to the final question that I want to ask you is, I know that there's probably a lot of listeners who are wondering what can they do. I know after Katrina, I actually uh, signed up through the American College of Emergency Physicians to come down and, and be a volunteer doctor, but I guess you got so many of them <laughs> that they, they told us they ended up canceling it because they, there wasn't enough need uh, at the time that I volunteered. But 
we have a whole spectrum of listeners, including healthcare providers, mental health providers, and um, people with other skills. What's, what's the best way that they can help out? Yes, I, I think, as you mentioned, volunteering still uh, is very important. Uh, and even though you are a physician and can volunteer to provide health care, that may not be, again, what they need at the moment. We literally had um, the American College of Surgeons that came down to New Orleans. They, were, they, they came down because they still wanted to have a conference here because they needed economic um, uh, tourism and development to still happen. Uh, and then they chose locations to help uh, as a part of their conference to clean up locations. So literally one of the clinics that we have that's open right now is in an old school, a Catholic uh, school, was cleaned up and, and started the, uh, the cleanup of that facility and redevelopment came from the American College of, of Surgeons, actually, coming down during their conference to help, uh, well, first of all, they had their conference, but also the work that they were doing in the community was to help clean up different parts that had not been cleaned up yet. So uh, volunteering is still, I think, one of the most important pieces. Actually, contributions of, of, of funds that help buy water, uh, help buy fuel, help buy the essentials and food, especially, that the folks that are in Puerto Rico can use and need. And, and, and everyone should remember and never forget, you never know what the next person uh, really needs. And so what I suggest is everything right now is important, okay? So um, I've got great examples, but clothing. Uh, if you have a closet full of clothes and need to get rid of some, you never know who could fit that, who needs that, and who could use that in Puerto Rico. So uh, there's all of those things that are, are needed, uh, and we need to um, just consider that and find uh, organizations that are taking things down or buying things and contribute to those organizations as much as we can. And if you can volunteer and go down to help rebuild, uh, by all means do so. Well, I think that's great advice, and this has been really uh, eye-opening. Uh, I think the lessons that I've taken away from our conversation, Michael, are that there's all kinds of help and all kinds of recovery that needs to take place. It isn't just one part of it. It isn't just electricity. It isn't just housing. It isn't, uh, you know, just healthcare. It's jobs. It's everything. It's rebuilding a community almost from scratch um, in the case of Katrina and in the case of Puerto Rico, probably less so for Houston, which although it was devastated, a lot of its infrastructure um, wasn't damaged in the same way. And then I think the other the other message is that this is going to take a long time, much longer than we might have expected. And unfortunately, I think the public's attention span is often too short and easily diverted. So uh, anybody who's in a position to be able to help out in any way should do it. But to think about it, not just in the short term, but in the long term. And in particular, if you're a person who has any impact over the decisions of where a conference or a meeting could take place, um, think of these communities that have been uh, devastated and don't stay away, rather um, make a decision to go so you 
can bring those resources to the people that need them. So I want to thank you very much, Michael. Um, this has been really, really interesting and really helpful for our listeners. And I thank you for, for having me. And please let me know if AJMC is going to have their one of their conferences coming up next year in Puerto Rico. And I'll be on the next flight to Puerto Rico, come down for the conference and help volunteer to help the deal. <laughs> Uh, but excellent, just thought, those are the type of thinking that we, we need to have. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Right, thank you.